Asia-Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 4th of September. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna and I'm taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Pierre was at a Tier 2 exposure site, so he had a COVID test yesterday. He just got his result as I was coming to air. So he's COVID free, but he is not in the studio this morning. Um, Pierre, if you're listening, I am not sure I'm going to give you your seat back. Uh, coming up in the second part of today's show, we do we will finally bring you that interview um, from Irene Xavier from Malaysia, looking at the political, economic, and health crisis, the convergence of those three crises in Malaysia that resulted in the resignation of the prime minister of that uh, country. And then the um, installation of an UMNO uh, Prime Minister. So we're going to examine that in the second part of the show. But first up, as always, news. Oh, rather, before I go into that, Asia Pacific Currency is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web at all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. Straight into news from around the region and we're going to kick off in Pakistan where another mass killing of workers has occurred last week on the 27th of August in the working class district of Mehran town, a suburb in Karachi, Pakistan. 17 workers were killed when a fire broke out at the BM Industry Factory. The factory was operating illegally without a licence and there's still confusion whether it was a chemical factory of some kind or an apparel leather factory that used many different chemicals in the production process. What is known is that all doors and windows were barred or locked at the time of the fire, meaning that workers had no escape. Only a few workers were able to escape alive, though given the illegal nature of the factory, there are no clear records of who was working inside the factory at the time. While Pakistan is a signatory to over 30 global conventions on decent work and occupational health and safety, implementation is close to zero due to corruption in the government and amongst employers. Moving now to the issue of climate change where air pollution remains a major global killer. A new report has uncovered a new climate danger in air pollution that had not been properly measured before. The report by researchers at the University of Chicago measured that air pollution is cutting short the lives of billions of people by up to six years, making it a far greater killer than smoking, car crashes or HIV AIDS. The main culprit identified is the burning of coal, with India being the country worst affected. It's estimated that close to 500 million Indians are significantly affected by air pollution, with the life expectancy of these people cut by around nine years. Not surprisingly, the researchers have found that this impact is greatest on working class communities who live in the most polluted regions often use coal to cook and heat their houses while they have very few means to escape or control the air they breathe. 
In addition, many of these workers face additional toxic environments at their workplaces. In Korea, a trade union leader has been arrested in a dawn raid on Thursday morning. Uh, South Korean police raided the headquarters of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions and arrested its president, Yang Kyung-soo. Yang is accused of having organised illegal rallies in Seoul in violation of the government's social distancing measures during the last few months. South Korean workers have been deeply affected by the pandemic crisis, both in an economic and social sense. The KCTU is seeing the arrest of its president as an act of war against workers by the Moon Jae-in government. The KCTU has now set October 20 as the date for a general strike. And still in Korea, unions have been organising to improve wages and conditions on the same day that the KCTU president was being arrested. The 50,000-strong Korean Health and Medical Workers Union was able to strike a new agreement with the government over paying conditions just hours before walking out on strike. At the end, the government agreed to the union's demand to increase staffing in hospitals, introduce nurse-to-patient ratios, increase payments for certain duties, as well as to change rosters so as to decrease overtime. Another major union, the Korean Public Service and Transport Workers Union, the KPTU, which, by the way, is affiliated to the KCTU, which is the left-wing militant labour centre in Korea, Uh, So the KPTU is also in the middle of a major campaign over better wages and the retraction of planned layoffs. KPTU members in the major cities of Seoul, Incheon, Busan, Daegu and Daejeon have all recently voted to take strike action on the 14th of September. And I would dare say that those two stories are related, that of the arrest, the morning, the dawn raid on the South Korean um, or the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions president and the recent effectiveness of that union movement. In Australia, migrant worker exploitation has been exposed yet again. A new report that came out this week once again shone the light on Australia's rampant exploitation of migrant workers on short-term visas. This investigation focused on abattoirs, which have become reliant on cheap migrant labour that is brought in via a complex web of subcontracting agencies, both in Australia and overseas. On the promise of being able to eventually receive permanent visas, workers pay tens of thousands of dollars to middlemen to secure a visa and then put up with punishing work schedules, unsafe working conditions and low pay while in Australia. There have been cases of workers not going to hospitals even though they've suffered serious burns or injuries for fear of being deported. The Australasian Meat Industry Employees Union, the AMIEU, that covers abattoirs has stated that conditions are so bad for some of these workers that their situation is akin to modern slavery. And finally, our, story, our last story today is from Sri Lanka, where Sri Lanka hits food emergency among increasing poverty. Earlier this week, Sri Lanka declared a state of emergency over food shortages as private banks run out of foreign exchange to finance imports. The economic situation has deteriorated sharply in the last year due to the massive drop of incoming tourism due to the COVID pandemic. This emergency decree came after weeks of rising prices for staples such as sugar, rice, onions and potatoes coincided as the... the, um, Rising prices coincided 
with lengthening queues outside shops as these items also became further scarcer. Compounding these problems for workers is the fact that the country's now in a new national lockdown period until next Monday because of increasing COVID-19 infections. Notwithstanding these restrictions, workers in the garment sector have been hit hard by COVID-19 as factories were deemed essential services and so kept operating even with mounting cases of workers getting sick. In addition, the slowdown in global trade has seen garment workers' wages fall by up to 50% and no uh, relief on the horizon for uh, workers across the world given the um, increasing um, intensity of the COVID pandemic. And we are going to look at that in Malaysia in just a moment. So we're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature interview for today. Hi, I'm Jacob from a Friday Rave and I'm also on 3CR's Committee of Management. Now, the community of passionate people that founded 3CR a long time ago made some tough decisions. For a start, they committed themselves and a growing community of listeners to back their vision of owning our station and in doing so remaining independent of the government and corporate influence. They did this by fundraising, brick by brick, with work and bees, door knocks, on-air drives and all the rest of it. You've all been there. Now, their commitment has kept 3CR on air for over 40 years. That's a long time even in my life. But now we need your commitment to keep this great thing going. Now, you can subscribe online at 3cr.org.au or phone us at the station on 9419 8377 or even stop me on the bloody street if you see me at some rally or other and ask me for a membership form. You need to become a member of Melbourne Radical Radio and subscribe. G'day, this is Richard Franklin. When you've got voice, you've got freedom. Be a little bit free and support 3CR. You are listening to 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. We're going to go straight into our interview with Irene Xavier. It's a bit of a long one, so um, buckle in. Uh, She starts off by introducing herself. My name is Irene Xavier. I am from a coalition of trade unions and labour groups called the Labour Law Reform Coalition. It is a coalition that was set up to amend the major labor laws in the country because our labor laws are very old, they're very conservative. And uh, so we got together to propose amendments, uh, thinking that the government that was installed in 2018 would would carry these amendments through. Well, we'll get to um, some of those issues in a minute, particularly the sorts of proposals you're making in relation to the the labour laws. Um, But, and you've hinted that um, government not being in place at the moment, which is obviously what we want to talk about today. Um, So amid uh, the accelerating COVID-19 pandemic and deteriorating economy in Malaysia, 
the Malaysia's Prime Minister, uh, Muhyiddin Yassin, resigned um, a couple of weeks ago now. He was replaced on the 20th of August by Ismail Sabri Yaqub, uh, who is a member of the right-wing UMNO party and deputy prime minister in the previous government what happened what are the circumstances leading up to this spectacular event the former prime minister Muhyiddin Yassin uh, has been described by many people as one of the worst prime ministers that we have had in our country Uh, worse in terms of uh, in terms of doing something for the the Malaysians who are actually at a very major crossroad of their lives. We have a big economic crisis and we also have a big COVID crisis, this pandemic. And uh, all the actions that Muhyiddin took uh, were criticized by people. there were many groups of people in the country who actually offered to uh, advise him on how to, for example, uh, deal with the COVID crisis. There were many groups of uh, professionals, of doctors, of uh, health, uh, public health experts. Uh, they gave, submitted many papers. They asked for many dialogues, but. Uh, Muhyiddin didn't didn't receive this at all uh, properly. He didn't dialogue with anybody. He was very busy with trying to remain in power uh, because he knows very well that he came in through a very flimsy coalition and uh, his coalition partners were making many demands on him. Uh, so he was very busy with those things. Uh, we had the largest number of ministers in our in our country ever, and most of the ministers uh, were people who didn't know their jobs. Uh, for example, the woman and family uh, affairs minister made some horrendous uh, statements, took some horrendous positions almost as soon as she became minister. So it was not a government that was functioning and uh, the economy kept getting worse and worse because he began to impose a lot of lockdowns. He asked the factories to close and so on. And the employers too were not happy. And uh, when things got really bad, when we had this third wave of uh, COVID that really has uh, has taken many lives. Uh, there, there are a record number of infections every day. Uh, then, at that time, he decided to allow the some of the factories to operate to to function. Uh, So he made a lot of unwise decisions and he was very unpopular, but he was still surviving because he has suspended parliament. And then at the insistence of the king, 
he had parliament for half a day and then uh, he didn't call parliament again. So it was like uh, there were no checks and balances to what he was doing. And finally, what uh, removed him from power was a rebellion among his own coalition. Amno and Pass decided, especially Amno, decided to withdraw their support from him um, because he couldn't meet many of their demands. And, uh, and that's why, in the end, he resigned. He had no choice. This, um, the, the reference to Amno uh, in relation to um, the, the, the Prime Minister that was installed um, by the, the monarchy being a member of Amno, not the same party as the party that won the 2018 national election. For me, the, this reference is a bit ludicrous, if I could say that, because at the 2018 national election, um, it was an alliance between Anwar Ibrahim, who we know was always oppositional, but also with Mahathir Mohammed uh, that defeated Amno for the first time in the country's history. But the only reason Mahathir Mohammed was able to engineer a defeat of Amno is he used to be Amno. So, uh, I mean, it sounds to me like all the way through, Amno has always been in power and still is. Is that how you read it? Uh, yes. Uh, in During the two years of uh, Pakatan Harapan uh, rule, uh, Hathet tried to make it appear as if uh, the old rule didn't exist, but uh, people, of course, knew better. Uh, he just ignored everything. First of all, he said that the election promises, nobody keeps election promises. It's impossible, we can't. This is a very uh, utopian dream. Uh, so he refused to allow many things. He didn't allow the uh, human rights uh, changes, amendments that we were asking. Uh, labor laws completely ignored them. Uh, so it was very much back to normal in, in the key in many key areas in the country. The, the only uh, good thing within those two years was that people expected change and they behaved as if change had already taken place. Uh, so a lot of people's initiatives uh, came up. People took a lot of initiatives to do many things like uh, monitoring the, the parliament, uh, asking a lot of questions, uh, ensuring that there was actual uh, debate in parliament, for example. And then they just began to, uh, to, to make comments about anything that the government did that was wrong. This is what people were doing all the while. Uh, the Bursa movement was very active in those two years to try and change the uh, election system, the electoral system. Uh, uh, so those things happened, but without the support of Mahathir 
uh, with Mahadev trying to downplay these things all the while. So it was always a kind of a struggle with Mahadev. So it was not just that Amno just came back uh, fully. It wasn't able to function as it, as it wanted to function. Uh, like for example, uh, the appointment of the Attorney General. Mahathir um, actually tried to withdraw that after making uh, the nomination of a non-Malay to that position and after the Malays complaining about it, he tried to withdraw again and put somebody else, but somehow uh, he changed his mind again and we had a new Attorney General. Um, so there were some things that he reluctantly conceded and that helped people in, in those two years. So it wasn't just a, um, a disguised, exactly the same Amno. You're saying that the alliance with Anwar Ibrahim needing to form a different party list name, all of those actually did have a material difference in the way Mahathir was able to rule for those two years. Yes. Yeah, even for the labor laws, for example, uh, we were able for the first time to raise so many issues with the labor minister during those two years. Uh, there was an open, open, uh, like an open house to the ministry every week. Uh, and people could just come in and register all the complaints that they wanted. So we used those opportunities to go and meet the minister and we met him a number of times. And we were able actually to discuss things with him. Uh, and then he told us to come back later uh, to have a meeting with his uh, civil servants, the top civil servants. So we engaged in all those kinds of uh, things which never happened before. Uh, and then LLRC came out with a very comprehensive uh, amendment schedule for the four major uh, labor laws. It, it was an education process, even for the trade unions on some issues, uh, for example, on issues about women and equality in the law. It was a, it's an education for the labor unions themselves during our discussion. Uh, but we were able to push this through into the amendments. Uh, so for two years, many uh, areas were vibrant. The, the, uh, the communications ministry was also very vibrant. Our television, state-owned television stations changed, changed uh, very quickly. So we had a different kind of uh, uh, television broadcast and there were many plans uh, for the stations to, to do public education on, on uh, human rights, do public education on labor rights and so on. Uh, so yeah, there were many, these kind of things that also took place during those two years. Well, I want to talk about the, this, the COVID situation because we are seeing how, how bad it is. I mean, I think um, 
at its peak, there were something like 7,000 transmissions a day in Malaysia. Um, the, the lockdowns you've described as very unpopular, and of course, they do affect business. We know this. Um, but I, I wonder how are the lockdowns being received by workers or the working class, given that lockdowns seem to be very effective in stopping the spread of COVID, but they do bring around uh, quite significant economic hardship? Yeah, I mean, the, the workers uh, are in terrible uh, hardship now. Many workers have lost their jobs. Uh, many employers, if, uh, if we don't open our business premises, it means that we cannot afford to continue to pay the workers. So many workers are paid less. Many workers are not paid at all. Many workers have been uh, have lost their jobs. So actually things are very difficult for workers. And uh, I don't know whether you've heard about the white flag movement. It is basically because so many people didn't have enough food to eat that they decided to uh, fly a white flag from their windows. And uh, whoever saw those flags would come and uh, give people food and, and so on. So uh, things were, things are, you know, at that kind of stage. Even now, there are petrol kiosks that collect, uh, that have small food banks. People can come and donate to these food banks and others can come and take food that they require and so on. So this, this is something uh, that we have not heard uh, in Malaysia, heard about in Malaysia. And most of these people, this, this type of conditions are workers. All uh, informal workers have lost all opportunity to earn a living. Uh, so conditions are really very bad for the workers. And what is worse, people, we are afraid that even if things, uh, if businesses began to operate, it we will still face a great issue of unemployment because some people have completely closed down. They, they cannot continue anymore with their businesses. Have the workers raised demands like financial relief, um, so like full payments while the lockdown is in place? Have businesses asked for that or is it just that this lockdown is literally seeing people starve to death. Uh, there, there are many groups, LLRC, actually ask that workers be paid, workers who have been retrenched, be paid at least 80% of their wages during the time that they do not have work. Of course, the government didn't do that. Uh, government introduced lots of schemes but these schemes, we don't know who received them, who didn't receive them. There's no transparency at all about this. Uh, and on top of that, the government told workers to go to their uh, retirement savings, the employment fund, and told them that they could withdraw from their own savings to get them through this period, which means that the workers have to forego 
their retirement uh, savings so that they can go through this period. So things were not uh, doing well for workers, even though uh, trade unions objected, uh, raised these issues, but Mohidin just went ahead with whatever he was doing. Thank you so much for your time and detailing the current situation for workers and people I actually had to cut that short. Um, um, Irene had some final comments to make, but we really are at the end of Asia Pacific Currents for another morning. You were listening to Irene Xavier from Malaysia from the Labor Law Reform Coalition that has recently been formed, um, talking about the crisis there. It is 29, almost 30 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region, but coming up next is Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.